elections are merely theater to make us think we're choosing our elected officials when in fact we're not. We're in a situation where we have put together and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Welcome to the BCP podcast. Big hug to all of y'all. We appreciate, let me just say, as we go into this weekend, a big thank you to all of you who listen to the show on the podcasting platforms and those of you who watch the video version and support us with your subscription on Patreon and Locals. We really appreciate it. This show would not be possible without you. As I mentioned earlier today, this morning on our inner circle vlog uh, on Patreon, we have uh, an inner circle uh, membership, which you can do where you just hear me vlog and talk about extra things outside of the show. I mentioned that I would be showing Carrie Lake today as I asked a question of our community over there to help me figure out uh, something that I just don't get. And I previewed that I would be showing Carrie Lake. Now, whether you like Carrie Lake or not, for President Trump's vice presidential pick, whether or not you voted for her in the, if you live in Arizona, if you voted for her to be uh, your governor, she did win, by the way. She was robbed, stole an election of 2020. Wasn't just Joe Biden in Arizona, but also they rigged the elections uh, in 2022 for the gubernatorial race in Arizona. We've got some updates on that in this episode. Carrie Lake, uh, whether you think she should be a VP pick for President Trump or not, is a true MAGA warrior. She truly is a MAGA warrior. And she is right on the nose. She is, hits the nail on the head when it comes to big tech tyranny and they're meddling in our elections, something that she discussed uh, earlier this week in the House Ad Hoc Committee on Oversight, Accountability, and Big Tech. I'm not going to show you the whole thing, but I'm going to show you some snippets of things that she said that show us that she truly is MAGA and knows what's going on. Final speaker today, we have uh, Carrie Lake, please. Thank you. Good to see you all. Thank you, uh, Chairman Colladin, for putting on this really important um, event today so we could hear a little bit more of what we all suspected, which is that big tech does not have the interests of the American people at heart. As a matter of fact, they're trying to destroy America through censorship. And I think uh, it was absolutely alarming, and I don't even know if he's still in the room, what Dr. Epstein reported, how Google's censorship and manipulation of search uh, results manipulate the outcome of elections. Now, obviously, I know a little bit about this. Don't worry, I'm not going to cry and bitch and moan and everything about the termination, the unjust termination of my YouTube channel. We're over it. We're, we're moving past that. You know, can't say it doesn't hurt when you build something for seven or eight years and unjustly it just gets taken away from you. But even when I was on YouTube, we could see this. You would literally go on Google and search black conservative patriot and my show wouldn't show up. It would show you videos from five years ago about black conservative, uh, black conservatives, like a video from, uh, from Vice 
It would show you everything else, but you could you could put black sort of Patriot channel and it wouldn't show up. And I was on YouTube with almost you know getting close to on that one channel seven hundred thousand subscribers, hundreds uh, of thousands of I mean hundreds thousands, hundred million plus views. And 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 they would just manipulate the search results so you couldn't see me. But you would go over to DuckDuckGo and I would pop up. They and that I'm just me, just some small fry, you know, physically and metaphorically. For those of you not aware, you can't really see on scale. I am about five three. And happy to report, by the way, for those of you that want to know, that I have lost nine pounds in the last month. I am about 12 to 14 pounds away from my ideal weight. I'm a short guy. I don't want to be a skinny guy. I don't want to be like I was when I got married, like 120. That was a little too thin. Now, let's get back to uh, other things that Carrie Lake said. Google has a much bigger ability to decide who is running our country, running our states, running our, our cities than we the people do. I would challenge each and every one of you to think back to uh, 247 years ago when our founding fathers fought for the ability for the people of this country to choose their destiny, to choose their leaders, to choose their representation. They fought against the most well-known globalists, the most powerful globalists of their time, King George, and now we find ourselves in a situation where we are on a fast track toward globalism and, frankly, Marxism. This is where I disagree a little bit with Carrie Lake. We are already in Marxism when it comes to America. We're already a banana republic. But there's still hope that we can turn that around so I can see why other people aren't as committed as I am and saying, hey, folks, we're living full-blown Marxism. I mean, look at what's happened. President Trump, that's what Marxists do. They go after political opponents. 91 indictments for the best president, the most pro-American president, the most constitutional president we've had in a long time. You get my drift. So we have fraud being pushed on the people. Our elections are theater. We have Google having more power than any entity in the world when it comes to choosing our leaders here in America. And that's not how this country was set up. Look, I would accept the results in a fair and square election any day. And if the tables were turned and I found out that elections were being run this way and the Republicans were winning them this way, if I found out that Google was giving an assist like this where six million votes were going to the Republicans over the Democrats, I would be the first one standing here saying, damn it, we got to stop this. This is not right. That's what fair individuals want and expect from the United States of America. The beacon of, I know you're going to hate this word, so I'm putting it in air quotes, democracy. They're always talking about our, quote, democracy, yet they push undemocratic things. Yes, I am well aware we are a republic, not a democracy. We're not a, uh, we're not a mob rule democracy. Once again, we are a form of democracy, just not pure mob rule democracy. We are a republic with a representative form of democratic government. And then let me play you what she says here, which is the same thing I played for you at the very beginning of this 
episode before the introduction. This is where we are and we where we have been and where we no longer want to be. Our elections are merely theater to make us think we're choosing our elected officials when in fact we're not. Ah, just a mere illusion of free and fair elections. Because we have been living through selections, not elections, and when we actually did win election via President Trump, we got to see what was really going on and they want to go back to selections. Please be aware, brothers and sisters, that President Trump was not supposed to win 2016. Even though he won, if you recall, if you go back to that day, if you were like me and we were watching live the counts coming in and President Trump was winning and there was a few states that they just stopped the counting and they go, we don't have results yet. We don't know what's going on. They were trying to hack and flip the votes for Hillary Clinton in those states via electronic flipping and they were thwarted by, I don't know, military intelligence, white hats, whatever you want to call them. That is why in 2020, they gave us COVID. They gave us, it was a full court press. It was all hands on deck. It was everything. They weren't just going to depend on the vote flipping via electronic manipulation. They also were doing the fake ballots, the dead voters, the out-of-state voters, the illegal voters, the stuffing of the ballot box, the Ruby Freeman and her daughter Shea Moss operation and the other things that they did. And then in 2022, they doubled down on that. And for instance, in Arizona, they had people waiting in line forever, discouraging um, from coming in. And of course, that was on, um, on Republican districts where the new Republicans would vote same day. Who knows what they have planned for 2024? Probably a combination of everything as yesterday I dedicated the episode to talk about COVID and the jab. They're trying to reintroduce that as well. I don't think it's going to fly, but they're, they're, they're throwing everything, including the kitchen sink, at trying to sink President Trump in 2024. And because yesterday I covered, you know, I like to do, I, I, I don't always do that, but it, I like to, when, when it works, to do these themed episodes, because I know you share these episodes with your friends, family, and neighbors. So if you want to share with them about the jab, the COVID, or whatever, I like to do a whole episode about that. And we talk about the stolen election, do a whole episode about that. And then, obviously, we we do other news and, and mix those together. But because yesterday's show was dedicated to the jab and COVID and what have you, let me get you caught up on what's happening over the last couple of days in Arizona. Carrie Lake released a statement on Wednesday, highlighting a recent court order related to Maricopa County's fraudulent signature verification and telling Americans she has the utmost confidence in her upcoming trial on September 21st. So a county judge last week rejected the defendant's motions to dismiss the Arizona Free Enterprise Club and Restoring Integrity and Trust in Elections recent lawsuit, which was to prohibit the Arizona Secretary of State from enforcing illegal election procedures relating to mail-in ballot signature verification. This ruling confirmed that Maricopa County has been conducting elections unlawfully. The judge ordered that the language of the statute is clear and unambiguous and the current procedures for verifying mail-in ballot signatures do not have the force of law. Now, this is excellent news and the order is similar to a recent statement made by a judge 
and one of Kerry Lake's election-related lawsuits. As Jordan Conradson is reporting, Lake's statement centers on Maricopa County's lawless elections and her own lawsuit to examine the fraudulent 2022 mail-in ballot signatures, which is going to trial on September 21st and 25th. This evidence is being withheld by Maricopa County and the Secretary of State because it proves the election was stolen and voting by mail is easily corrupted. Lake's attorneys are expected to file an appeal against the dismissal of her lawsuit to remove Katie Hobbs from the governor's office and fight it all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court if necessary. Hobbs stole a midterm election that she oversaw as Secretary of State by colluding with big tech to censor her opponents, rigging the machines on election day to fail 60% of voters, and inserting hundreds of thousands of bogus ballots with no chain of custody and unchecked signatures. So here's Carrie Lake's statement released uh, the day before yesterday. Huge court rules. Maricopa County violated Arizona signature verification law. A court found that Arizona's signature matching process is unlawful. The court said that the statute is clear and unambiguous, requiring the recorder to review the voter's registration card and not other documents with the voter's signature. Maricopa County's complete abandonment of signature verification standards has allowed for the integrity of our elections to be washed away. Election laws aren't suggestions or guidelines. They're the law. I am thankful the court has reminded Secretary of State Fontes and Recorder Richer of that fact. Following this ruling, I have the utmost confidence that we will win our lawsuit to review the early ballot signatures later this month. All right. Now, sticking with Arizona, we've got some other news. After months of delays and reminders from both parties in the case, Mojave County Superior Court Judge Lee F. Jansen finally signed a final judgment rejecting Abe Hamadi's lawsuit against the rigged midterm election in Arizona. The order dismissing the lawsuit was given in May. The final judgment signing came, came only after both parties filed a joint motion for entry of final judgment and spelled out a mutually agree, agreed ruling. Now that the final order is officially signed by the judge, Hamadi's attorneys were finally able to file a notice of appeal against the bogus ruling and he can continue fighting against the rigged election and corrupt trial court judge. So you can see that they... Uh, they just drag it out. Everything is dragged out. So uh, this is being reported today, once again, by Jordan Conradson, who is doing the best reporting on Arizona. Uh, he is in Arizona for the Gateway Pundit. Hamadi's race was decided by 280 votes after a significant miscount of hundreds of votes was discovered in rural Pinal County's uh, recount results. It is the closest race in Arizona with over two and a half million votes cast. The newly discovered evidence of uncounted ballots and voter disenfranchisement across the state was intentionally withheld by Katie Hobbs at Abe's first trial. Additionally, Maricopa did not provide the provisional ballot information until after the trial. Information that had it been timely provided, we would have been able to address those problems we found at trial. This was said by Jen Wright, Hamadi's attorney. Abe released the following statement, quote, in a rare show of bipartisanship, attorneys for my litigation team, Chris Mays and Adrian Fontes worked together on a joint motion for final judgment that Judge Lee signed today. We are now able to proceed to the next step in our election challenge with an appeal to the Court of Appeals. I am committed to ensuring that the will of the people is honored. Arizona's constitution demands that the person with the most votes is entitled to office. We will fight to count the remaining 9,000 uncounted ballots that were withheld from our attorneys and the court. The government does grave harm to its legitimacy when it withholds evidence. Democracy dies in darkness, so 
to does justice. Given the exceptional delays in this case and the stakes, we'll be filing a motion for an expedited appeal. Justice delayed is justice denied. The closest race in Arizona history with the biggest recount discrepancy in history deserves to have a stay in court and a fair and impartial trial. I am sure hoping that this does come to pass for them. Okay. All right. Now, guess who else jumped in the fray? Yeah. You may be wondering, you're not talking about Bill Barr. There's no way you could be talking about Bill Barr. Well, Bill Barr joins the group to clean up elections and wins lawsuit in Arizona. Isn't this interesting? Let's get into this. True the Vote tweeted out, Breaking Bill Barr's Right USA Issues press release acknowledging illegal Arizona ballot signature verification process used in 2020 and 2022. Right USA announces lawsuit win demanding an end to corrupt processes used in Arizona elections. Backstabbing former Trump attorney general turned election integrity grifter Bill Barr is now pretending to care about election integrity in Arizona, where he gave no help during the stolen election of 2020. Barr is reportedly behind the Restoring Integrity and Trust in Elections lawsuit in Arizona Free Enterprise Club to prohibit the Arizona Secretary of State from enforcing illegal election procedures relating to mail-in ballot signature verification. Barr sits on the board of directors for Right. USA. Isn't that interesting? After doing nothing, he's now trying to take, after not only doing nothing, but hiding the Biden, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story, after giving a total pass to Hunter Biden and lying about all of that, after saying that there was no rigging, after We've seen on this show there was evidence of rigging that was being looked into by counsel at Trump's White House and Barr saying, just leave it alone, don't look at it. After all that, he's now trying to take credit for fighting for election integrity. He monumentally uh, failed by not addressing the many crimes in the 2020 election. He lied and claimed that the 2020 election was not stolen. Trump lost it, lied about his investigators, finding no evidence of fraud. He now trashes President Trump with anti-Fox News host Neil Cavuto, recently saying he thinks indictments against Trump are, uh, are legitimate and that President Trump is wrong about talking about the stolen election of 2020. But now he's trying to claim a win in this arena. Makes you want to freaking throw up and throw up in your mouth. I hope you do not do that. That's nasty. Okay, check this out, uh, what's happening to Gateway Pundit. Now, I wonder if this is going to happen to me. Probably not. I don't want to attract it or uh, put it out there. Uh, but I have been reporting on Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman. And they don't like this uh, to come to light. Joe Hoft uh, put this up on his website. Quote, you can't make this up. The attorneys representing Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss who claimed their clients were slandered after the 2020 election, sent a letter to the Gateway Pundit, Jim and Joe Hoft, full of inaccuracies and falsehoods. This is an example of lawfare used against innocent Americans today. Attorneys representing Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss sent a rage-filled letter to the Gateway Pundit, Jim and Joe Hoft, last week. Uh, Ruby and Shea were seen on video on election night 2020 at the State Farm Arena in Fulton County, Georgia, pushing ballots through tabulators with no observers present. Some batches of ballots certainly looked like they were 
pushed through more than once. An election monitor who showed up after midnight reported on what was going on by showing uh, the Georgia State Board of Elections the video. And I've showed you that video here recently on this on this show. This was all discussed uh, in an article from a few days ago on the uh, the Gateway Pundit. The notes from election monitor Carter Jones are included in that article. So what they have done is now they have sent this letter to the uh, to the Gateway Pundit and the Hoff brothers full of rage uh, and full of inaccuracies. Uh, the letter is right here. I'm not going to go into the uh, entire letter, but I want you to see that uh, the Hoffs uh, always bring the receipts. And they have said the following. In the rage-filled letter, the attorneys made all sorts of accusations, but many of these were false and unsupported. Here are some of the many examples included in this letter. The attorneys say that we have shared an ongoing, intentional, reckless, and dangerous defamatory campaign, but this is not true and never was. We have no campaign against anyone, and we certainly are not intentionally, recklessly, or dangerously sharing defamatory comments. We stand by our honest reporting. The attorneys make broad accusations without substance or example. If they had information supporting their claims, wouldn't they share it? The attorneys claim that it was settled that video evidence of election workers pulling containers off from under the tables election night with no observers present, present and running some batches through multiple uh, times is legitimate. The attorneys also insist that we must believe the words of their chosen public officials involved in the Georgia election in 2020. Yet even this week, another public official in the same article that they say is defamatory was noted that the 2020 primaries were so messed up that, quote, for the first time ever in Georgia history, an election monitor was accountable to the board and stationed in Fulton County. So even in the article they say is defamatory because Shea Moss and the and uh, Ruby Freeman's handlers and cover-uppers say something. In the same article, they have someone who says the opposite. So very interesting. So... Uh, just want to report on that, that uh, it's a lawfare. They go after everyone because it's all part of the plan. And what's the plan? Well, the first part of the plan was COVID. Second part of the plan was the stolen election of 2020 through various means, electronically, uh, false ballots and otherwise. The third thing was trying to paint the January 6th Capitol protest as an insurrection. And then... The fourth and fifth parts of that we're seeing right now, uh, the fourth part of that is incarcerating and weaponizing the government against anyone that tries to expose the 2020 elections, including the January 6th protesters. And part five we're also living through right now is the DOJ trying to tie President Trump to, as, to the insurrection by making him the leader of the insurrection so that they say that through Article 3 of the 14th Amendment, he cannot run or and or is ineligible for the 2024 elections. And let's go to how they're trying to tie four and five together, and that is making people on January 6th insurrectionists as pawns and foot soldiers for President Trump, the leader of said insurrection. And now we have this. Enrique Tarrio uh, sentenced 22 years by this very corrupt system for the insurrection on January 6th as a Proud Boy, uh, as a member of the Proud Boys, even though he wasn't physically even in D.C. at the time, 
has said the following. Yesterday, Gateway Pundit Enrique Tarrio tells, all after sentencing, the feds asked me to lie about President Trump in order to indict him. He's also going to have a Twitter space this Friday. Oh, that's today. Today at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll probably cover that uh, on Monday if it's QC. Oh, by the way, let me uh, interrupt that. There was a very scary thing that I was following this morning uh, on the Gateway Pundit. Now, Enrique Tarrio, well, let me read you the whole thing. The feds asked me to lie about President Trump in, in order to indict him. We're going to see here that Enrique Tarrio gives a little bit little information about how the Fed wanted him to lie about President Trump, and we're going to let him off the hook if he had done so. He didn't do so, so that's why he's getting 22 years. He's going to talk about that today at 8 p.m. on a Twitter space with the Hoffs and the Gateway Pundit. And guess what we found out this morning? Uh, the Proud Boys had all been moved from the D.C. Gulag at 5 a.m. this morning, and for several hours, knew, no one knew where they were. So at 5 a.m., um, Dominic Pozzola had told his wife that the guards had woke him up at 5 a.m. and moved him. He had, text, uh, he had texted her, Hi, baby, they just woke us up to leave. It's 5 a.m. I'll call you when I can. Love you. And then no one knew where they were uh, for hours. They were just like lost in limbo. This morning, uh, Zachary Rell... It's because I was supposed to uh, I was supposed to be with my baby for the first time tomorrow. This is the second time they did this. They moved Zachary Rowe, who was supposed to uh, be with his family. Well, you're still here now. If you get moved, I'll, I'll be riding it up. He was, and it turns out, folks, that they were trying to move them to Pennsylvania. Why the rush? Oh, I don't know. Enrique Tario about to break the biggest news story possibly of the week that the DOJ tried to frame him and have him commit perjury by saying that President Trump wanted was the leader of this uh, of this movement and that he was acting under President Trump when he has been on the record saying he doesn't know President Trump and he had no he's never met President Trump never talked to President Trump he's he's supposed to talk about that today and they try to move him anyway here's uh here's the update that we got later in the morning Dominic Pozzola's wife, Lisa, called the uh, Gateway Pundit with an update on what happened to Proud Boys in the middle of the night. Quote, I just got word that the guys were taken down to the transport area of the jail and sat there for over five hours. They were supposed to be transferred to Philadelphia. However, the word is that the Philadelphia prison did not want them in their facility. We have no idea why. They will be transferred to Lewisburg next week. They never left the building. They just held them down at the bottom of the jail in the transport unit for five hours. This is held going through this. The majority of us, their families, got no sleep last night wondering where they will be taken. Not only are they torturing these guys for hours on end, but they are torturing their families for hours on end. Now I'm hearing that they lost their transfer papers. Philly did not want them there. They are too high profile. Why are they urgently yanking them from their cells like it, cells, like it was an emergency for them to do so? Maybe because uh, we're going to get more information from Enrique Tario, and this is what we have now. Quote, they asked me to lie about President Trump in order to indict him, Enrique Tario exclusively told the Gateway Pundit. I told them to pound sand, and because I refused to lie about President Trump, it cost me 22 years of my life. The truth is, I could have been home. I could have been home a long time ago. I could be in my warm-ass bed right now, laughing at the world without a problem. And all I had to do in order to do that was lie about Trump. 
all I had to do was confirm a lie. After he was sentenced to decades in prison by the dishonorable Judge Kelly on Tuesday, he told the Gateway Pundit that the prosecutors in the Department of Justice attempted to coerce him into signing a false statement that would implicate President Trump by swearing that through several degrees of separation and connections, Tario had, in fact, communicated with Trump regarding plans for January 6th. They're trying to frame him. They're trying to frame President Trump and frame him. And he said no. He said, screw you, pound sand. Quote, everything they wanted me to say is fabricated. It was a lie. I refuse to sign their work of fiction. I want to be unequivocally clear. I have no connection to President Trump or anyone in his family whatsoever. The connection simply does not exist and never did. They literally wanted me to lie. The January 6th uh, committee, the Biden regime, and the Department of Injustice have been salivating like rabbit dogs since day one to find a way to connect President Trump to the Proud Boys. And they were trying to get Enrique Tarrio to be that guy. Carrie Lake, I'm sorry. I love you, sister, but uh, we are already full-blown Marxism. And guess what else we're finding out? Corrupt Georgia special grand jury had actually recommended criminal charges for 21 more innocent individuals, including Senator Lindsey Graham and General Michael Flynn. Turns out that the far-left Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis may be less crazy than the grand jury. Now, this is uh, the New York Post today, Friday, September 8th. Georgia special grand jury recommended charges for Senator Lindsey Graham, David Perdue, Kelly Leffler. A special grand jury recommended last year that Atlanta's district attorney charge three current and former U.S. senators with allegedly aiding President Donald Trump's attempts to reverse the 2020 stolen election. The panel urged Fulton County DA Fannie Willis to indict Senator Lindsey Graham and former senators Kelly Leffler and David Perdue, according to his 28-page report released Friday, today. Uh, of course, I guess that wasn't necessary since they rigged the election in Fulton County and in Georgia, and they got out Kelly, Kelly Leffler and David Perdue and put in uh, Warnock uh, and the other joker whose name escapes me right now. Willis, and an elected Democrat, did not immediately comment on her decision not to charge the trio when she indicted Trump, but she also included 18 alleged co-conspirators. Now, why Graham? Well, Lindsey Graham testified to the grand jury in November last year about his actions following the 2020 election after unsuccessfully suing to block a subpoena by citing the Constitution's Constitution speech or debate clause. The grand jurors voted 13-7 and in favor of indicting the four-term senator, according to the grand jury report. Graham apparently was in the panel's crosshair because of his post-election outreach to Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. I think they just didn't want to open up that can of worms going after a sitting senator when they can get other people. Raffensperger, a fellow Republican, said Graham asked him about matching ballots to voters, which he felt implied that the senator wanted him to throw out some votes. No, he wanted him to throw out votes that were illegitimate. Of course, they won't tell you that. Graham said he was just seeking information and denied wrongdoing. More jurors voted to charge Leffler and Purdue, both of whom narrowly lost re-election. No, they didn't lose re-election. It was stolen from them. Panel members voted 14-6 to, to indict Leffler and 7 
fifteen and to four in favor of charging Purdue. Willis may have opted against indicting pro-Trump senators because the grand jury breakdown indicated difficulty winning a conviction at trial. As if she has anything that she can win legitimately at a trial with President Trump and the 18 others. Absolute sham. Absolute sham. All right. Uh, I want to play you a a few moments of a clip of an interview that Robert F. Uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. had with Forbes, and he is letting us know what we all know that the Democrat Party is rigging their primaries. Now I don't understand why some people on the right, some people who say there are Republicans, want RFK Jr. to be President Trump's running mate. It doesn't make any sense to me. But here's an example why he shouldn't be. He seems surprised and shocked that the DNC is working against him. At least he's putting out there what we have all known, that the DNC and their primaries are rigged. All you had to do is look at 2016 Bernie Sanders and 2020 Bernie Sanders. You know, we could have had a Bernie Sanders presidency. Let's be honest about this. Bernie Sanders was crushing it in 2016. A lot of people wanted the freebies and the giveaways that he was promising. It should have been a Bernie Sanders versus Trump and Bernie Sanders uh, versus Trump. Bernie Sanders had a lot more going for him than Hillary Clinton did. That's why they rigged the elections for uh, Hillary Clinton and crushed Bernie Sanders. And they did the same thing in 2020 with Biden over Sanders. Yet, for some odd reason, RFK Jr. is acting like he's surprised by all of this and that is just now a revelation to him. It's pretty clear that the DNC does not want a primary. Um, they, um, uh, you know, I don't want to say that they want a coronation, but that's, <laughs> I think that that's a fair way to put it, actually. I don't want to say that the DNC want to just shoe in Joe Biden and coordinate him. But that seems to be the best way of describing it. Yeah, RFK, because that's what's going on. He warms up, though. He warms up in this little uh, segment and then uses the uh, the R word, rigged. Um, they're doing, uh, they're, they're essentially, they're fixing the, the process so that it, it makes it almost impossible to have democracy function it um they they're effectively disenfranchising the democratic voters from um from having any choice in in who becomes president who becomes the democratic nominee and uh and now they're trying to change it so that if i campaign in new hampshire that none of the votes cast for me in georgia will count and that's significant because it's hard to win the nomination without georgia what is so what is the rigging, logic? Well, they're rigging it so that it you know effectively you know we're looking at uh, the tabulations now that look like I if you add up all the super delegates that they control and all of the automatic delegates that just go to the party and go to the president, uh, you know I would have to win almost eighty uh, percent 
of all of the states in order to beat President Biden, even if he only wins 20 percent. The DNC making these rules that they're going to finalize in the next week or so would make it so that with 20 percent of Democrat Party voters voting for him, he would still get the nomination for the party. Yeah, I think that's pretty much uh, the definition of a rigged primary. And yet, and yet, you you continue on. So, what is your strategy then, in light well, of this, for defeating yeah, President yeah, Biden? I knew, uh, I, you know, these rules will not be finalized until sub- September fourteenth, and we've written uh, the DNC protesting. I mean, there's some really wild things that they're now considering, including forcing me actually pay for the primaries and their logic is that um, they don't need a primary because they already have a candidate and therefore I'm costing them all this money and that money should should uh, be paid for by me and you know maybe Marianne Williamson um, so it's not you know it's a process that is rigged and uh, it's a you know we live at a time in American history when a lot of Americans think that democracy is broken, that the system, the political system, is rigged, uh, is rigged, and that there's not really any democracy. And unfortunately, the DNC is taking a lot of steps that uh, that confirm uh, that outlook. Now. For a Democrat, I like RFK Jr. Never going to vote for him. Don't want him to be the VP. But either he's feigning ignorance or he has misplaced optimism. Because we know this is not the first time they're doing it. This should not be any sort of revelation. I don't know why RFK Jr. is playing this naivete card. It's just a very strange place to come from. But maybe, just maybe... He did what President Trump did in 2016. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here. President Trump knew that the RNC and the establishment didn't want him. That's why he, in 2016, did not sign or agree to any pledge that he would ultimately back anyone, uh, the eventual person, to win the primary uh, Republican primaries in 2016 if it wasn't him because he knew they were working against him to draw to rig it against him. And President Trump might have gone third party, which would have pretty much guaranteed the win of Hillary Clinton. Glad it didn't come to that. And that's why I know I, I've been, if you've been on the show, I've been advocating for a new a new uh, conservative party to replace the, the rhino-run and establishment-controlled Republican Party. President Trump disagrees. He thinks it's better to fix it from within than start anew. And once again... Third-party candidates rip, uh, uh, they divide the vote of the one side and give the win to the other. So, for instance, we saw that when Russ Perot ran, that gave Clinton the win. Now, whose fault is that? Not the Democrats, not the Republicans. Somewhere out there, there's an extraterrestrial that's doing this to us, I guess. <laughs> and everybody says they take responsibility. Somebody somewhere has to take responsibility for this. All right, so once again, uh, that's just a little clip there. For those listening to it, that was the debate with George H., uh, Herbert Walker, Bush, Clinton, and Ross Perot. Obviously, Ross Perot took conservative votes away from Bush, and Clinton came in. But that's okay. Bush didn't want a second term. It was always the plan 
to get in his son, Billy Boy, and Hildebeest into the Oval Office, and he could get out and run things and do other things uh, via the CIA and other uh, tactics behind the scenes. He was there to control Reagan, put things back on track, uh, get us in the wars and what have you. Kind of like what, in a way, Biden is right now, just getting things back on track uh, after Trump, you know, back on track as far as the globalists are concerned, kind of like Bush did after Reagan, getting things back on track for the globalists, the warmongers, etc. So if the uh, Democrat Party is going to continue screwing over Robert F. Kennedy Jr., is he going to become a third party candidate? If the decision holds um, for the current, you know, uh, sort of primary structure with the DNC, what is the best, what is the route to victory for you against President Biden? Oh, you know, if the, if the, if the DNC is going to make it, it's going to rig it so that it is simply impossible for anybody to challenge uh, President Biden, then, you know, I need to look at other alternatives because uh, I can't go back to the people support me and to my donors and say, um, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm just going to, I'm in this to make a point. I need to, I need to show them a road to what? victory. RFK Jr. saying, look, I, I, I need to, but people have donated to me and this is an honorable thing. If I'm getting screwed and the system is rigged, I still order the people to find a path toward victory. Well, obviously, if he's not the going to be the eventual nominee of the Democrat Party, for him to try to become president, he'd have to run as a third party. So the Forbes reporter asks him a little bit more questions, and then he says something that totally would have sealed the deal for me not to support RFK Jr. if I were on the fence for him. Now, I'm not on the fence for him. I don't think he should run on a ticket with President Trump. I think that's silly. Many of you disagree with me. He would be a unifier. Remember, that would mean a Democrat as vice president. Something happens with President Trump. All of a sudden, we go to abortion. And even though he does believe in abortion only in the first uh, trimester, we go to Planned Parenthood funding and all kinds of other funding because he's still a Democrat at the end of the day, even though an honorable one. But then he says this, and this... uh this should just be the nail in the coffin for anyone on the cusp and whether they are supporting RFK Jr. or not. At least for me, it would be. What kind of alternatives would you be exploring, Mr. Kennedy? Well, you know, I don't know exactly because I want to see what the DNC does. I want, I want to see if they make it, a, if they, you know, if they make it a fair contest. Well, and I, you know, I'm not asking that it be 100% fair. Um, but I, I'm asking that there at least be, you know, a chance that it be plausible um, for somebody else to win other than their, you know, chosen anointed candidate. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. says, I'm not asking for it to be like totally fair. Just give me a, a false hope that I could possibly win. No, RFK Jr. We have to be on the right of justice. 100% fairness, equality, etc. Not in a Democrat way where we play favorites, but everything being an equal playing field. And then it's up to you how you play on that field. Anyone who publicly says that I'm okay if it's not being 100% fair isn't someone who should be leading our country at the very least. All right. 
I gave you more than my two cents worth, and I hope you got more than your uh, investment in this program and time and monetary support. Have a great weekend. Big hug to all of y'all. Ciao, goodbye. God bless. We're in a situation where we have put together and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics.